Hello and welcome to Cloud Control, the podcast all about cloud ops presented by Spot by NetApp. I'm your host, Sean Harris. And today we are joined by Cara Delia, who is the principal community architect for financial services and climate sustainability at Red Hat. She's known for her collaborative approach to work with her deep industry expertise and strong command of multiple areas of marketing that have made her very effective at bringing meaningful initiatives to fruition and at activating compelling content to provide customers the best possible experience at any point in their journey to the purchase. She also has a background in environmental sustainability, which is what we're going to focus this podcast kind of around, the sustainability of the cloud. Cara, thanks for joining us on Cloud Control today. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Sean? Thank you for having me. Doing well, thanks. Thanks for joining us. So walk us through a little bit of your background and how you, like I was doing some research as we were getting ready for this episode, and it said that you started out uh, studying environmental science in college and you've kind of landed in the cloud operations space. How did you make that transition and what's it been like? It's been a journey for sure. Um, and yes, I started environmental science and political science um, at Virginia Tech and actually worked in D.C. and realized that my moral compass and D.C.'s moral compass did not go in the same direction. And so I was working on a couple of environmental campaigns, but I realized that um, the marketing components of what I was doing I really liked. And so that got me into um, marketing and left DC and uh, most of my career has been in the regulated environment in financial services. Uh, and then with coming to Red Hat um, prior, I'd actually been at SAS um, Analytics, uh, managing the go-to-market for financial services. Uh, coming to Red Hat started in ABM, just like your account-based marketing and working closely with sales and our customers and being an open source company, I was really excited to to dig into the upstream communities. And it was there that I saw um, the emerging trend of sustainability, specifically around um, sustainable finance. And so full circle, started environmental science and um, didn't realize that my path would actually come back to environmental science. But here we are. Well, from one political science major to another, welcome. <laughs> yes. I ran campaigns and did campaign work like a little hiatus from software engineering back in 2016. And then I promptly jumped out of politics. So I kind of understand the moral compass thing. Talk to us about ESG and it's important and how it crosses that spectrum. We, we see a lot in the news, both good and bad, but I think that people lose sight of how it really impacts something like cloud operations. Kind of walk us through that and what you're, what you've seen and what you see on the horizon. Sure. So, you know, environmental, um, social, and governance uh, are the stands for ESG. And um, I do intentionally talk about sustainability because of the technology piece, but at the wider ESG level first and looking at open source communities, the upstream communities, I think we're already seeing um, the certainly the social piece as far as diversity, um, equity, and inclusion, so DEI. Um, and making sure that there are m more females in the room, you know, more underrepresented uh, organizations and peoples in the room and making sure that uh, that open source the and the principles that it stands for around transparency and uh, collaboration and inclusion, that they really are what they are, what they're standing for or what they're, the, they're pillars for. 
So um, sustainability in software typically means sustainability of the software, sustainability of the communities, if it's in an open source environment. And so um, intentionally say climate sustainability because the one thing that um, software can touch is the, the E part and the S part and the G part. But right now, it kind of looking at it from an even bigger level, just the general sustainability, not just the how we're technically looking at it from an environmental standpoint. Um, and that is um, part of the, the issue. <laughs> and um, so it's just the nomenclature and making sure that greenwashing is not taking place or green, um, green shushing or green sheen. I mean, there's certainly a wide variety of vocabulary, but it's, it's part of that standardization. So I would say um, ESG sustainability is forming and norming right at the moment. And so I think we'll see more of the terms regulated even. In the EU, they're saying, we're saying certain terms that you're not able to use so that you're not having, you're not greenwashing what you're um, you're putting within your portfolios, what you're saying that you actually are doing for social good. Um, and when I say portfolios, I mean your investment portfolios. Um, so the horizon, though, it, what I'm seeing on the horizon is a lot of folks that are interested, a lot of passion that is interested. And really right now it's harnessing that for the greater good. And there are um, lots of disparate organizations that are either creating solutions or creating communities um, but it's people are more or people and um, businesses are more interested in getting plugging into established um, organizations so for example um, while Red Hat does not have an ESG solution you know we have ways through upstream, um, contributions to be able to better manage workloads. And that is through our observability um, project called Project Kepler, um, which looks at um, Kubernetes efficiency. So um, yeah, in, uh, it's you know working within your current kind of structure and structures that already exist so that um, that recreating the wheel is not is not um, taking place. That's a long answer to your to your question, but it's it's still really it's forming and norming is the best answer. No, that makes total sense. So open source is at the heart of Red Hat's philosophy and business practices, right? We like that's what they were founded on. That's they're they're huge in the open source world. How does open source specifically contribute to ESG, and specifically when it comes to cloud computing? Like what what trends do we see there, and how does uh, Red Hat continue to be a thought leader in that space? So a lot of different ways. So open source as um, within the Cloud Native Computing Foundation, there is uh, a technical advisory group that I'm actually a part of and project lead for, for um, identifying best practices around um, cloud native technologies um, and specifically around data centers. Um, quantum computing is um, a, a big issue with um, sustainability. And the Green Software Foundation has done a lot around um, open source contributions for understanding sustainability. They actually just came out with a report that helps give 
uh, recommendations around managing workloads, managing your data centers. Um, and so at the heart of it, right at the moment, there's kind of, two, it's twofold. So it's looking at it from a carbon intensity or carbon footprint standpoint, primarily within the data center. And this is across um, all industries, but then also just as importantly as the sustainable finance piece. And that's where communities like OS Climate or Open Source Climate, um, and then um, the, uh, the Hyperledger Foundation and some others have working groups that are focused on sustainable finance. And what that, what I mean by that is that organizations are um, looking at their data, um, their data lineage, their data federation, and their data mesh to make sure that what they're contributing to and what they are to um, to their portfolio investments that they're taking on are uh, are following the guidelines of, the, of primarily the UN regulations or the um, Sustainable Development Goals SDGs that came about in 2015, and um, and then also uh, making sure that what they're doing is they're looking at the data for modeling on top of it and using open source for that. So as opposed to, um, you know, a, a large insurer and a large global um, investment bank creating this in a silo there, you know, this is not creating competitive advantage. So it's working together to create those models around transition risk, physical risk, um, just to name, just to name a few. No, that makes that, that's great, and that makes it's great to see that Red Hat is still committed to providing this upstream development and participation in these open source communities, despite all the changes that we've seen over the last ten years when it comes not only to open source but with the mergers and acquisitions and everybody being bought and sold and whatnot. When it comes to data centers, right? We all know that. It, I mean, I don't know how many data centers Red Hat has, but I, I know they have a substantial cloud environment. How does Red Hat's environmental and sustainability goals factor into its cloud and data center operations? And what innovative technologies do you use to help with tracking that? And what measure, like, how do you how do you define success with your climate initiatives? Sure. So, um, you know, we're working just alongside with our customers, we call it customer-led innovation. The one thing that's nice about um, Red Hat is that, you know, we do not own any physical property um, and uh, including data center. Mm. And so actually I can't be guaranteed on the owning of the data centers, but <laughs> so I will um, retract that. But what I will say is we do not own property. And so that is part of figuring out, um, you know, what the the carbon measurement could be but for our customers we are focused on cloud native sustainability technologies projects and methodologies and so that's one of the reasons why i mentioned that that cncf work and and working up in the upstream so we're specifically doing this um, with project kepler to explore how to to explore with our customers how they can better use their their the energy consumption of their workloads and Project Kepler is community-driven open source project that was actually accepted in May of this of 2023 as a sandbox project within CNCF. And what its intention is, is that it aims to export workload energy consumption across the platform. And then 
Another key area within OS Climate uh, that Red Hat is invested in is our data commons platform. And so basically it's a way for whether it be phys or physical data, um, it can be proprietary data, it can be public data, um, any type of data um, can be leveraged within this platform to have that data lineage and uh, be able to federate the data. And for proprietary information, we've created a, a data vault so that customers and, and companies, um, anyone can use it, whether a customer or not, can be able to put in their proprietary information and still be able to leverage the the models that sit top on top of this this platform. Um, I mean, in going back into you know Red Hat in the upstream, my job is to work in the upstream. So I mean, it is completely Red Hat is completely all in on open source. I you know I, I wouldn't have a job if um, upstream of communities didn't exist. So. CNCF, Green Software Foundation, those are my stakeholders. Those are, um, you know, th that's those are the meetings I go to. You brought up a good point about working in the regulatory the regulatory space, right? Industries that are heavily regulated and kind of watched by the government. They are also traditionally a little bit slower to the cloud. How does moving to the cloud enable companies to scale their operations more sustainably? And will we see an uptick as the cloud becomes more ubiquitous and central to our day-to-day -day lives? I don't know necessarily that sustainability in the beginning will, will make much of a change. I mean, we're still focused on hybrid cloud, um, Red Hat, I should say. And one of the reasons gonna... for that, too, are there's even more regulations that are um, coming on to onto the cloud and operational resiliency, like a, like Dora, a, a lot of regulations coming out of the EU. But with cloud native, you know, tooling and the methodologies I mentioned, you know, it definitely is a lighter weight. You're not having, you know, that physical data center, but the data center with using the tools that I had mentioned, you know, being able to really optimize what a data center can do that's where we see the the opportunities in the near term. I mean, I still would say that um, 100% cloud, um, it would, you know, not all regulated industries are similar to like a Capital One that, you know, want to go all in on cloud. And I, I don't know that we will really see much of a difference right away unless there is regulation to to have that type of information within the cloud and making it cloud accessible. When it comes to the idea of container operation and the movements that we're seeing there towards sustainability and using cloud workloads more to their potential instead of letting resources sit idle, what does Red Hat specifically use for that observability? How do you bolt into other providers that people should be aware of? Yeah, going back to that Project Kepler, we're leveraging eBPF um, programs to probe that per container energy consumption that is going to be related to the system counters. Uh -huh. And then from that, you can export your metrics. Again, that is open source. And so it can become even more robust with more contributors within this. But uh, the cluster administrators help customers to make intelligent decisions towards achieving their energy conservation goals. Um, that, that's great. And we had um, one of the community managers, Bill 
um, on a previous episode talking about eBPF and we, we nerded out for the better part of an hour just going through its importance and how it does that observability. It was really fun. Um, Red Hat's making a big push hybrid cloud. That's kind of their, <laughs> we're seeing the cloud native OpenShift from the scalers and partnering with Red Hat. Is that Red Hat's long goal was to partner with the scalers and kind of build on that relationship? Or what, what, what should we look for when it comes to cloud ops and share of the cloud with Red Hat as an industry? Yeah, you know, Red Hat partners are certainly important to our ecosystem. And I, I would say that ecosystem is really, um, in addition to hybrid cloud, is the, one of the key terms and really the future of Red Hat. And so making sure that the scalers are a part of it um, because we can't, um, you know, we don't have all of the industry knowledge and backing that, that our scalers do. And so um, the partner partners that we have, we actually had a um, announcement at our Red Hat Summit for sustainability within Telco with Ericsson and Intel. And, um, you know, any we're, it's, again, similar to um, the coopetition is that just like with our customers, it's making sure that we're not reinventing the wheel and that we're going to market um, in a sustainable and in mindful fashion. We're talking about sustainability in the cloud. We're talking about the future of cloud operations. When it comes to horizon scanning and, what, and just kind of what you watch and what you do, um, with emergency, emerging objectives and uh, their impacts on businesses that you work with. What are some challenges that you see in the near term, right? Like next 12 to 18 months, other than the macroeconomic climate that companies should look out for when it comes to their cloud ops and um, what sunshine is on the horizon? What's some good news for us? I love that. What's the sunshine? Um, well, first, um, not necessarily any ground breaking doom or gloom, but it is just the massive amounts of data and being able to to understand and to compute that data in a sustainable fashion um, to understand and to make your business decisions and also to be able to obviously comply with the regulatory um, compliance. And also getting breaking down the silos internally and um, making sure that security and compliance and uh, your IT department uh, are on the same page and and the and also your lines of business um, and that can be for any industry not just for financial services but you know breaking down the internal silos and um, and then also the that leads itself in many ways there are data silos um, but it's figuring out the data streams that you need to to conserve energy. What I see, though, that I think is really sunshiny is that um, open source has embraced sustainability. I mean, when I first started my role as a community architect, um, it was just, I would say, a drip drop in the, the grand lake of, um, uh, of open source. And now it truly is a ground, there is a groundswell and um, major organizations are investing in this um, in a legitimate fashion, not just for a greenwashing or green sheen, um, just kind of check the box. Um, there is, and there are, um, you know, 
many people that are rightfully so really concerned about this. And so they're extremely passionate about um, solving these problems and um, and doing it in a collaborative fashion. So the collaboration has really taken off. I mean, so when I started my role, I was only focused on financial services. And because of the vastness of and need and just the speed as to how climate sustainability has come on to the, the, the radar, that's why I'm working on that as well. And, and that's also through my own passion. But, um, but I would say just that overall collaboration, it, it's, it's a really cool thing to see. I live in Utah. There are a lot of, we have two problems out in Utah. Number one is the lack of water, right? We all know about the, the drought in the West, despite this year's good snow year. But the other problem that we have is a lot of fintech companies that use a lot of massive computing power. But what are some examples of resources that practitioners who would listen to this podcast, so cloud engineers, cloud architects, take into account when it comes into controlling their energy usage and trying to dial back AI, the, the hot topic is AI right now cool. when it comes to compute, energy usage for compute. And if you're cooling your data center with water, how, what are some tips on how to make that work the, from a fintech startup standpoint? And, a, and a, how do you, how do you circle the, how do you circle the square with those two opposing forces. One needs a lot of computing power. One needs a lot of sustainability. How, how, what are some practices that we can get into or some resources that we can use as a practitioner to make that more sustainable? So I think that is a great question. And um, especially anyone that's in startup mode, um, whether it be a fintech or you know some, some other sort of um, startup tech company, it's is relying on um, the innovations within open source. So another great um, project is LF Energy, and there are about 24 different projects around um, carbon intensity, um, especially around the data center, and and looking to those projects and seeing how those can how that code can be brought back or how those best practices can be brought back within your organization and um the you know with with that as well is um joining you know foundations the green software foundation um joining um the cncf uh, tag that i had mentioned to or even just going to see the the resources that are available um you know there are lots of projects out there that um, you can use models for estimating your power, your power agents and your client, you know, your, your clusters in cluster management um, is not just Project Kepler. I would say LF Energy or any LF project, you know, there's, um, there's lots of great resources within those um, to help you, um, and by LF, I apologize, Linux Foundation um, project to be able to have the best practices to um, lessen your load when you're dealing with quantum computing or any type of large computing. No, that, that, and that's, that's great to think about when it comes to how we control the sustainability of our cloud environments. What are some of the practices and resources that you've helped create? You mentioned that you sat on the CNCF Environmental Sustainability Board. What are some of the resources that you're proudest of that you've developed and kind of helped steer along? 
Well, I am proud of Project Kepler and being able to help shepherd that into um, the 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 CNCF sandbox project. That was not just me. That was certainly um, I am a non technical uh, contribute contributor to it. <laughs> um, so really, it's more about getting it in front of the people um, that uh, needed to see it, talking to our customers, getting feedback from our customers, because um, it was certainly a, a group effort. I think one of the other pieces is um, is working with uh, you know LF Energy, OS Climate to be able to um, to have the the um, the carbon intensity and the modeling needed around transition risk. Those are two areas that I think are really important. Um, and one thing I just thought about that is also really um, that we haven't talked about, and it's a little bit um, of, uh, not irreverent, but it's a tangential thing to consider with the data center is, um, and, but it goes in with open source community, and this is associated with the um, community fireware, is um, going back to your question around, um, you know, how in Utah can, you know, you help, um, you know, with the infrastructure issues and, you know, have a sustainable future. And one of those ways is through smart cities. And so when there are power, um, you know, leveraging the power from the city or from the data center back into your city, finding ways to um, to have a co-op around that power as, as well. It sounds um, a little idealistic, but it has worked in um, several uh, countries in EMEA, Spain being one of them, Norway as well. Um, but, um, but yes, so I would say... Um, what I'm most proud of, though, is is the work that has been done um, with the team on Kepler. This is the part in the show where I like to get to know the people behind the cloud. I think that cloud engineers and cloud practitioners and those of us that work behind the scenes kind of get left out of the big names and topics in the cloud. So I just like to do a little backgrounder on the people that I interview. So what is your favorite thing to do and what would you be doing if you didn't work in the open source slash cloud ops space? I would be a water sommelier. I love water and I'm obsessed with it and the mineral contents of it. Um, and so when I was, and I think that goes back to my environmental science, um, but uh, there actually is a water sommelier certification. And so, yeah, I would be a water sommelier and um, very hydrated. <laughs> awesome. Where Where's your favorite place to travel to, your most memorable vacation or favorite place to travel to? My favorite place to travel to would be probably Jamaica, um, not just because of the beautiful beaches, yeah. but really it's just the pride that the people, um, the Jamaican people have in their country and um, the gorgeous fruits and vegetables that you can get there that are not necessarily something you can get in the States. I didn't realize this until visiting there, but um, they have 11 types of avocados, but their avocado is, they call that like a actual, what we call avocados are pears. Um, so, um, and they don't have apples on their island either. So um, yeah, I just, I, Jamaica was such a, really? uh, a memorable experience. They don't have apples. They don't, they have to import them from Miami. I've got to modify my Jamaican jerk recipe. 
<laughs> there you go. Well, I need to modify my Jamaican jerk recipe because I've been using. I I always put apples in it when I make my when my when I make my uh, jerk chutney marinade that I make that Ooh. I put on pork and chicken. It's great. That's awesome. Um, where can we find you? Where can we find more information about Project Kepler? Kind of plug us on plug us into that. Sure. So if you go to the CNC website, CNCF website, um, and that's cncf.org. You can, under the Sandbox Projects, find more about Project Kepler, or you can go to sustainablecomputing.io, and that um, has more information on Kepler, including the GitHub um, repository, and uh, it includes a few other projects in there uh, in addition to Project Kepler. Um, I will be um, more than likely in... Um, Open Source Summit uh, Europe, and I will be at the Finos Open Source Strategy Forum in November in New York, and I'm sure there will be something else in between, probably coupon as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been really insightful to have you, and I really appreciate your time. You taking time out of your busy schedule to come in and talk to us for a few minutes. Absolutely a pleasure. Thank you. I'm your host Sean Harris. This has been Cloud Control. Remember, you can give us feedback on our episodes by commenting and liking on this post. Following me on Twitter at InkedTater, I-N-K-E-D-T-A-T-E-R, or dropping an email to cloudcontrolpodcast at protonmail.com. And until next time, we'll see you in the cloud. <laughs>